Hey everyone, welcome to another Tune Under podcast, the Southern Hemisphere's biggest and best podcast, all things Newcastle United, and boy, have we got a show for you today. We probably won't stop smiling for the next hour or so. Um, I've probably never been so pumped to do a podcast in my life. Um, Bobby, I'll start with you at Ballarat. How are you, mate? Uh, going well, Kegs. I'm uh, flying, actually, so... Um, I've meant to be working the last two days, but all I've done is sit there and w- look, watch endless content um, <laughs> yes. non-stop and uh, not much work has been done, to be honest. So, no, it's what a time to be a Newcastle fan right now. It is amazing. And we are joined by a very, very special guest. Uh, second time on means you're officially a friend of the pod Um Andy Sixsmith, all the way in a balmy Newcastle at the moment, a, a nice 10 degree winter day, which is rare. You've only got two layers on, so that's a positive. How are you, Andy? It's, it's but how am I? I mean, you could have invited me on at a time when there's actually things happening around Newcastle and there's yeah. stuff to talk to. I mean, how are we going to fill an hour? Yeah. How are we gonna fill an hour? What are we going to talk about? Hopefully we get a few viewer comments to try and keep us uh <laughs> keep, keep us to an hour. Um Wow, what a 48 hours, I guess it's been, in the world of Newcastle United. Just when you think this renaissance of a club and a city to an extent couldn't get any better, here we are, semi-final bound, probably got the second best draw we could have hoped for. Um, yeah, it's it's a crazy time to be a Newcastle fan, isn't it, Andy? I mean, just even just hearing you say that, I've heard a few of it's, it's, it's stupid. Well, it's like, what? What, what? what? <laughs> what the heck is one of those? Like, what was the last one we were in, even? Was it 2000, Chelsea? Well, last time we were at Wembley was back in, like, April 2000, FA Cup semi against Chelsea. I think Rob Lee scored. Oh, um, I've, had a, I've had a couple of stiffies say, oh, you are at Wembley a few years ago when you played Tottenham there. And I said, that doesn't count. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Doesn't that doesn't count at all. Oh my god, like what what a week can we just say? Because the week started off, and I hate to start off on a really negative note by us being dumped out of the FA Cup by Sheffield Wednesday. And yeah, Eddie was not happy about that in the slightest. You know, he fielded a team that should have been good enough with all due respect to Wednesday, were excellent, I thought. Uh, yeah. to beat them. So there was a lot of disappointment around that. But I tell you what, that opening five minutes, maybe ten minutes against Leicester on Tuesday night. Oh, Jesus. I'll get tingles just thinking about the roar. And you could feel the emotion through the TV on the other side of the world. Like it was oh. it was mental. Crazy. It's incredible. And you know what? How good is it to see your own team fly at teams like that? Straight out the traps, no messing. All right, we didn't stick the ball in the back of the net and we probably should have scored four inside the opening 10. But that's the second time we've done that to Leicester this season. And it's the umpteenth time that we've done that to a team at St. James's Park. And it is just so blooming good to see them go, we haven't got any fear. We've got these 52,000 Radges behind us at St. James's Park. Yeah, good. We're right up for this. We, we want to right the wrongs of Saturday. We're coming out here. We want to make a semi-final and we want to hopefully go on and win a trophy and make history this season for Newcastle. And bang, Leicester didn't know what to do. They had about 10 minutes at the end of the first half where they just started to climb the way into the game, Leicester. And I thought, mm, maybe we've missed the chances. Maybe we've missed a chance to do something here. And then we did it again, start the second half. And then obviously, obviously, the moment <laughs> of the week, the moment of the season arrives... When Big Dan Byrne, Disco Dan, decided he was going to come to the party and come to the party in prime Maradona, Messi style. (laughs) Oh, mate. Right foot too. I could not believe it. You know what? (laughs) We sat down with Dan and Longy. I put this out on social media the other day, literally the night, actually. And when he put the ball at the back of net, as well as running around, because I wasn't at the game, but I was celebrating massive. I, I apologise if any of my neighbours watch this podcast. Which, uh, you know, they, they could do. Who knows? It is the you know the largest Southern Hemisphere podcast. If any of my neighbours are watching it, I apologise massively for the noise that erupted from my apartment on Tuesday night. 
no one was dying. It was Dan Burns scoring <laughs> at the Gallagher end for Newcastle United for his first goal. But the first kind of or secondary thought that came into my mind was that chat we had with Dan was like, and I talked to him, I think we were doing this feature, and I said, you know, do you agree or disagree? You're better with your feet than you are with your head. And Dan turned around and was like, no, I'm better with my feet. I strongly agree. I'm better with my feet. And I said, well, when's the first goal arrived? And he was like, and tongue firmly in cheek. You know, very, very funny bloke is Dan. He said, you know, I always get one a season. So it's coming. It's coming. I've got six months <laughs> to do it. And I don't care if it goes in off my backside. I'm not bothered. I'm not bothered at all. It'll happen this season. I'll probably be with my feet. And I said, have you got a celebration plan just in case? And he was like, well, no. It'll just be like one of those moments on FIFA where you're just button bashing. And I do about 18 <laughs> celebrations in one. Not only does he score like a prime Lionel Messi, that knee slide, <laughs> fair play to the boy. He timed that bloody perfection. It probably upset me a bit because I reckon if the fence wasn't there, he would have been running past my house about now in Australia. I don't think he would have stopped. <laughs> he said that post match, didn't he? He said, Look, I, I didn't know what to do. And I was running so quick that you don't get stopping a six foot seven bloke. So I just went yeah. down on the knees and I stopped. <laughs> You, know, you had to put the anchors down before he got there. I, I genuinely, um, I've been happy for a lot of Newcastle players because, honestly, boys like they are such a lovely group to to be around in any way, in a very very minimal way from my perspective, just to interview them. But what a lovely set of blokes they are, as well as being very very good football players. And I've been pleased for a lot of them in different ways this season. You know, Joe Linton's Renee's of Miggy, of course, who was, again, mm. kind of went under the radar a little bit on Tuesday night because of Dan, because of Joe Linton, because of Bruno deciding to, you know, WWE the referee. Um, but <laughs> I thought Miggy was absolutely mint on Tuesday. But honest to God, this season, there's been so many moments where I have been so, so happy on a kind of personal note as well for each for an individual player. I think that was the happiest I've been for a player. You know, that story, it is a modern-day fairy tale for that to happen. I've got a feeling we're going to bounce around a bit here. We'll start, we'll do some, talk about the end. We might talk about the game and we'll hop around everywhere. But that word you just said then, Andy, the the moments word, Eddie spoke about that after the game. And it was something very rare. Like we don't, not just in Newcastle, but anywhere, we don't really see that the cameras inside the changing rooms for a Premier League yeah. club post-game. And, look, Bobby, I'm the same as you. I'm a I'm a sort of an Aussie rules coach at heart, and I can't get enough of that coaching content, I guess. And, mm. and the moments the moments that he actually – that you've spoken about, and that's what he's referenced, his first sort of thing post-game is the moment. Remember these moments. And and it's it's like he said, it's not just tonight. It's, it's life as well. And – if you want to look at it as a holistic thing for the season, or even if you want to extrapolate it to since the takeover, we, we've just had moment after moment after mm. moment, and it, it's it's crazy. And I'm I'm with you 100, percent mate. This is the that Dan Burn goal is probably the moment mm. since the takeover. Like the yeah. the player, his story, the occasion, yeah. the whole thing. It, it just it just goes to to the top for me. How about you, Bobby? Oh, certainly. I think our chat, our boys chat lit up when Dan Burns scored, and it was all, you know, fifty percent battery just... wasted on dings. I reckon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think um, we're all just... watching Dan's dance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, amazing! And with the dance was another moment. The dance was even. Even Come better on, in a way. And we've got to get you yeah. to attempt that dance too, by no, the way, Andy. Not a chance. Um, <laughs> I was going to preempt that, and there's no way in hell. No one deserves to see that in Australia, England, anywhere in the world. <laughs> but yeah, no, that moment was just incredible. Um, because it I think it meant more for Newcastle fans that one of our own yeah. had just done that at the Gallagher end in a time like let's put the, the game in contrast as well. We had missed a bucket load of chances in the first half and at the start of the second. And it was looking like one of those games where we dominate and probably miss our opportunity. And then big Dan Byrne, the boy from Blythe with that incredible song that can't get out of my head, um, goes and turns into Lionel Messi and then scores a goal. So yeah, just, just incredible. I can't, you can't put it into words really. Just on the goal. 
as well, the actual goal. It's not even just the finish, but it was actually Dan who closed down Mark Colbright in any way. Yeah, he, his yeah, passing yeah. actually led to the turnover that started yeah. the goal. And then obviously the move, I thought the pass from Joel Linton was superb, by the way, but I'm sure yes. we'll come on to Joel Linton as well. But it was initially Dan closing down before he just decided, screw it. I'm going to maraud forward, left angle of the penalty area. I'm going to see what happens. Quick feed, shifted it onto his right. All right, went through Marty's legs. Who gives a shit? Right in the bottom corner. I mean, oh, it was a hell of a finish. Hell of a finish. Accomplished it a, finish. It was Fantastic. a striker's finish, not a six foot seven out of position left back finish, that's for sure. No. Do you want to know what the funny thing is, though, boys? Like, we were, uh, who was I talking to? Um, I can't remember. Oh, is it Longy? Might have been Longy actually who pointed this out uh, a while back. And he said, um, every time in training that they do set piece training and they practice the set pieces, Fabi Cher absolutely hammers Dan Byrne because he doesn't score enough <laughs> in training. And he, every time he misses a header or something in training, Fabi's like, you're six foot seven. You should be <laughs> scoring <laughs> with your head. And then Dan just goes, screw it. Tuesday night, cup quarterfinal, Gallagher end. Just going to waltz through. And I'm going to yeah. put one in the bottom corner of my right peg. Not even my strongest no. foot. Yeah. But you know what? That's, That's exactly what I was saying at the TV when he missed those headers. I'm like... You're bloody six foot seven, mate. Just just yeah. put it in. I'm five foot three. And like you know, you, you've got all the gifts in the world to be six foot seven. Yeah. Just put the bloody thing in and it's there. The first so, thing he said. It was the first thing yeah. he said. He was like, I missed two sitters. I'm like, Callum Wilson would say that. <laughs> like that's the, that's the mentality of a prime striker going, Yeah, I scored, but I missed two. I'm yeah. Like, Bloody hell, Dan. You've been having a chat with Wills, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. I'll- I'll just I'll circle back to what you were talking about earlier when you when you sat down, Andy, with with uh, Sean and, and Dan. You've been popping up doing a little bit of stuff with the club yeah. as well this season. What's what's been the favourite thing that you've done through the club this year? Was it with with Sean and Dan? That's up there. That's definitely definitely up there. To be honest, two of them up. I'll give you three. I'll give you three. Uh, no, I'll give you four. Can I give you four? <laughs> yeah, go ahead, mate. Just go, go. Absolutely. <laughs> right. Two of them are easy. One you've mentioned, that piece with Sean and Dan was class. And I'm delighted that Newcastle actually put all of it out because yeah. also Premier League, we only managed to put out a three-minute feature, I think, on Match Day Live because we only had that, that amount of time for the slot. But it didn't really do justice to all of it. We had such a good time that day. Like it, Some of the crack was fantastic between the pair of them uh I, i'm sure you've seen the amazon prime yeah. stuff oh, no, no, I, I genuinely had like i had tears this afternoon when i was when he does that i like i watched it like 10 times like i'm just it's gone more viral than his dance yeah so definitely that day the other one was involved another one was involved in longy when we sat down with him and Sven Botman, because Sven was still kind of getting to know the club and everything, and he was quite quiet. So we did a dual interview with him and uh, with him and Sean. Obviously, Sean's quite loud and quite yeah. a character. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant lad. Um, and the two of them, unbeknownst to me, were quite good friends already. And some of the crap between those two was sensational. I, I remember asking Sven what he thought of his Rolls-Royce nickname. And Sven was like, like Rolls Royces, you know, what can I say? But I, I'm not entirely sure. And then I, I said to Sean, like, if he's a Rolls Royce, what are you? And he looked and he was like, now nah, I'm like one of those, like one of those clapped out cars that have got shit loads of miles on them and it just keeps going and going and going and going. <laughs> and I was like, that's genuinely one of the best answers I've had from a footballer in, in all of my years of, of broadcasting. So definitely that. Third one was a post match interview with Bruno. Uh, after the, I want to say Brentford, but it might have been the Villa game. It was just after he dyed his hair peroxide blonde and we got him in post-match. Well, I asked for him in post-match because you boys know the love I have for Bruno Guimaraes. I would ask for him in post-match a lot of the time. Um, But we had him in post-match and literally no one else had kind of asked him about his hair. And obviously knowing Bruno a little bit because we interviewed him quite a bit. It's like, Bruno, man. Like, we need to talk this. Every time you change your hairstyle or colour, you score. And he just started laughing. 
And I don't think much came out of it. Not much insight came out of it. Not much content came out of it. But it was just seeing him really, really relaxed and be like, you know what? I'm going to keep this for the World Cup. The less said about yeah. that, the better from a Brazilian standpoint. But that's not yeah. down to Bruno because he barely got played, which is mental. But we won't go into that. So that was number three. Number four uh, was Eddie and Jason and all of the coaching staff visiting the foundation uh, for mental health. Uh yeah, and I thought that was really, really enlightening. I could have talked to Eddie for we only had 10, 15 minutes with him, and we had to fit in all of our match previews as well. But I could have talked to Eddie for about two or three hours about mental health alone. I thought he was brilliant with every single member of the fans, and that why it's one of my favourite moments was it encapsulated everything that Eddie Howe is. He's not just obsessed with football, <coughs> excuse me, but he's also obsessed with getting to know people. He's a, I've said this numerous times, he's a bloody brilliant bloke. And I thought that summed it up. He took time around everyone, played a bit of walking football, scored a tap in, fair play for a defender. It was a nice little finish. But it was just how he was around everyone and how he spoke about mental health and how important it was to him and to the players and to Newcastle. And all the time we talk about the connection that this team, this club, is now building back up with the fan base. That encapsulated it for me. And I just thought Eddie and the community, Eddie and Newcastle United Foundation, I thought it was just a brilliant day. Um, and I thought it just summed up everything that Newcastle United is all about right now. Community, connection and passion. And that's what we are all about. Yeah, brilliant. Now, you're a lucky man, Andy. The, those experiences are mind-blowing for us on the other side of the world, I think. Uh, it's uh, uh, that's yeah. narrowing it down to format. Honestly, anytime yeah. I sit down with with a player, it's it tends to be very very just relaxed and everything. And I'm not one of those people who kind of uh, who kind of ever takes my job for granted because it might be my last day in my job at every single time. So uh, even if it is, I can just turn around and say, you know what, screw it. As as a fan as well, you're involved at a time when the club is just doing an incredible amount of work on and off the pitch. And mm. as far as I'm concerned, and I, I never ever take that for granted because you know I'm, I'm i'm not even a part of it i just i'm very very fortunate to report on it uh, at some points and chat to them so yeah all works out this has got very very somber all of a sudden hasn't it this has got very very philosophical yeah well we'll, we'll <laughs> sharpen up a bit do you want to do you want to give us a um I've, I've definitely noticed on your twitter the last 12 <laughs> days your uh your fact 15 uh challenge or your goal i guess yeah challenge is probably the worst Goal, goal will be at the end of the year when you complete it. But do you want to do you want to give our viewers and our listeners a bit of an insight in, into your Fact Fifteen challenge and uh, what it's about, why you're doing it, how do we donate, yeah. and things like that as well? So I'll, I'll keep this quite brief because obviously not much to do with Newcastle, but I appreciate uh, you guys giving me the leg up on this one. So I'm a patron of a cancer charity called Fact in the Northeast. Uh, does a lot of work for people who are diagnosed with cancer, but not just them, their family, their friends, everyone who's connected to those people, because we all, for anyone who's, you know, known a friend, family member, whoever else who has had cancer, it's difficult for absolutely everyone. Fact, do a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful job in the Northeast and across the country for such a small charity. Uh, so I've been patron of Fact for uh, seven, eight years now. Um, very, very fortunate to have been. And we've done a lot of work together. Fact turned 15 this year, 2023. And uh, I, I thought to myself, what can a, a really insignificant patron do for the charity to try and raise some money, try and raise 15 grand with the 15th year? Uh, and being a completely shit endurance athlete, uh, I thought that the natural thing was to basically run 15 endurance events across 12 months, which actually equates to 11 because I'm not doing anything in December this year. Uh, so 15 and 11, essentially. So it starts in two, uh, less than two weeks. Uh, it starts in 10 days' time in Manchester, half marathon. I think I'm running 10 half marathons, at least one marathon, uh, and the rest will be 10 milers, uh, just Good to luck. make it. And I reiterate, <laughs> for someone who is shit at endurance running, I was a swimmer back in the day. I've never been a runner. As a swimmer, I was a sprinter, 1,500 metre. Wasn't particularly good at that either, um, but I persevered. <laughs> for a runner who doesn't really run past six miles or 10k whatever you want to use as metrics this scares the shit out of me and i have no idea why i actually uh why i actually came up with the idea i'm pretty sure i was pissed 
Pretty sure I was and now I've backed myself into a corner. Yeah. So got to do it now. Um, <laughs> so yeah, hopefully, if anyone is listening, uh, my just giving page is out there. It's on my Twitter right at the top. It's on my Instagram page. It is for a, I cannot cannot dumb down the amount of work that Fact do uh, for such a small charity, and obviously. A lot of us know anyone who's been affected by cancer. It's a fucking awful disease. Um, so we need as many donations as possible because I think we're at about 700, which is brilliant. 700 quid inside a week is absolutely insane. And the majority of them have come from Newcastle United Twitter. So <laughs> thank you so much to Newcastle United Twitter followers, yes. uh, mainly followers of Toon Pulls. Uh, so shout out to Liam for that. Um, but anyone who has donated so far, thank you very, very much. And at the very, very least, for your £10 or £5 or £15, however much you donate, you'll get to see me in pain, which is surely worth your donation <laughs> alone. All right. But uh, yeah, it's going well so far. We did a half marathon on Monday, just training and absolutely killed us, to be honest, even though we were meant to be doing it slow. So 10 days to go, first half marathon in Manchester. <laughs> Can't wait. Yes. Good we'll, luck, uh, we'll Good also, luck. We'll, we'll throw it up on our socials as well. Um, if you're listening... Uh, via audio platform, we'll we'll chuck it in the show notes. A link for the um for the website for the donation page as well, and it'll be up on our YouTube. So if anyone wants to do it and you're not sure, you've got Andy's Andy socials, our socials will, will pump it up as well. And if you can spare any anything, please please donate for a great cause. And um, yeah, I'm, we've all been touched by cancer in some way, and we know the hardships that these people go through. So for them to make things a little bit easier, both for the for the patient and the, the families involved is, is a fantastic thing. So, yeah, give what you it. can and good luck for it all, Andy. Sorry, Pete. I think I said the other day in some interview I did about it and it, they literally were like, how scared are you about it? And I said, I'm bloody scared because I am. this is going to be very painful for a shit athlete like me. Um, but it's not as painful as anyone who's ever been through any form of cancer, whether it's family, friends. And to be honest with you, as cliched as it sounds, that's probably what's going to be in my mind at about mile 11, 12 of each half marathon, mile 23, 24 of the marathon. You know, that pain is nothing compared to what millions of people yeah. go through. So yeah, as far as I'm concerned, well let's get this fucking thing beat once and for all. Yes, for sure. Um, all right, we'll move, we'll move back on to, uh, to Newcastle. We've, we've given our Dan Burn gushes and things like that. Now what's, what's been lost in the quite rightly Dan Byrne love affair is the second goal, which pretty much sealed our qualification into the semi-final. It was from the Brazilian bulldozer himself. Um, it was a great, Thank it was a great finish. Sorry, I'm just going to yes, use write that. that down. Yeah. Tag me in. <laughs> um, Copyright. He, yes. Yeah. Um, Bobby, you, you've been on his train for... Oh, I reckon it'll be over 12 months now since since Eddie took over. The floor is yours, mate. You can you can take your Joel Linton renaissance whichever way you want. Oh, boy. I haven't even prepared for this, but um, <laughs> I absolutely love the man. I think, Andy, like you love Bruno, I think I've just backed this guy for so long and, you know, to see him be the player he is now and doing what he's doing, his defensive work rate is just phenomenal. He is, and I'll, I was thinking about this after the game, after I got over the Dan Burn dance, was <laughs> I don't think I've seen a better athlete in my time at the club. He is built like a brick shit house. He runs miles a game. And his effort and relentlessness is just phenomenal. So, I mean, the second goal was taken with aplomb, which is probably his weak, yeah. weakest attribute he, he's, when he gets into the box. But, my God, what a player he is. He is turning into being, you know, one of the best midfielders, left wingers in, in the Premier League and soon to be the world. And I think Brazil made an absolute... Um, wrong decision. I think that a lot of their fans now, from going through Twitter, are, are realizing how good this guy is. So, yeah. I love the bloke and good luck to him. And he's such a good bloke. So, yeah, so happy for him. 
I thought you were getting all teary there, Bobby, for a second. I you do. Were, you <laughs> all emotional. I could see that uh, it's beautiful. Mate, beautiful the, lad, the lads who know me know how much I care for Joel Linton, and I've been because <laughs> I used to defend him when everyone was on his back. Um, so it's just great to see. It's a renaissance story. Yes. And, and you know what? Like, just to kind of pick up on something you said there, Bobby, something really stood out to me on Tuesday night. I think it was like the 88th, 89th minute, something like that. And Joel, we're 2 0 up going through. Oh, yes, I see this. Joel, yeah, this was crazy. Literally closes down every member of the Leicester back five, just yeah. sprints after them, closes them down. And I was like, you know what? Yes, Dan scored. Yes, Joel Linton scored. Yes, Miggy's had another blinder. Yes, Bruno's taken out the referee. There are so many moments of this game that stand out for me. But from a purely footballing aspect and from a purely can a player sum up the Eddie Howe effect and the Eddie Howe intensity, that 25 seconds encapsulated it. Now, that might yeah. not sound a lot to a lot of people, but 89 minutes into a high-intensity game in a League Cup quarterfinal, when you've also played at the weekend, and played mm. countless numbers of games this season, Joel Linton, and he's still able to do that and still willing to do that. That's the mark of the man. And yeah, yeah I'm with you, Bobby. He's an absolute blinder of a player and a person. Yeah, I think. I think. Here you go, Bobby. Uh, just on, we'll, we'll touch on a bit of a funny side on the Joel Linton talk. Is mm. Kieran Dyer's comments? Um, Jack says it here. Credit to Steve Bruce for putting him in the midfield. <laughs> As an avid Joel Linton fan who's followed his career since Hoffenheim um, into Newcastle, there was that was the most bewildering comment I think I've ever heard from a, a pundit ever. And um, yeah, what, what was your take on that, Andy? What with my professional hat on? Um, prof- I'm going to keep very professional, boys, because you wouldn't expect anything less from me. It was an odd one. I've heard some strange comments from people, but yeah, that, that's an odd one. Kieran's perfectly entitled to his opinion. Um, also, there seems to be a bit of a um, there seems to be a bit of a misconception here that Joel Linton first played in midfield and he was found in midfield against Norwich when Kieran Clark was sent off. Joel Linton actually dropped back into midfield in the game before against Brighton when Eddie Howe was in the stands. And I'm not saying Eddie noticed him then in midfield because he's talked at length about this. And obviously it was, what, for 60, 65 minutes that he basically played in midfield against Norwich. But that was the kind of first glimpse of what he could do in midfield, uh, regardless of who discovered him. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of it was down purely a bit by accident, by necessity. Um, but by God, that's one of the best things I think that's happened to Newcastle. And now you look back and you think, £40 million? Actually, that's blooming good value in this modern-day market, yeah. is it not? For a, you oh. know an athletic, all-round midfielder who can get you goals, albeit not many. I think Joe Linton's the first person to admit he'd like to get more goals in his game. But he's got the tackling, he's got the pressing, he's got the positional sense, you know, as soon as you drop him back into that kind of midfield three, he changes. He completely mm. changes. And it's weird to say this, but I prefer Joe Linton in midfield and Joe Willock on the left wing. It's, yes. it's, a, yeah. I, that's a good segue, Andy, because he Joe Willock's last sort of, I was going to say month, but it hasn't quite been a month since we've come back from the World Cup. But yeah. just before the World Cup and probably his last two or three games, I think uh, he, he was a little bit slated, I guess. Like he, some people call him for to be dropped, especially early in the season as well. Um, yeah. I think that sort of seven, eight game streak where he scored every week probably hasn't done him any favours in the long no. run. But oh, I think his season has been criminally underrated from a from a Newcastle point of view. And I, I think that interchanging that him and Joel to do on that left wing, like, I think some people don't give him the pace he's credited for as well. Like he's oh, yeah. he has got some mm. serious wheels. And if you're not if you're not sure about your, how um how quick he is, I, I urge you to go back and look at that goal where Bruno scored against Leicester in the yeah. 94th minute. And he was that when he breaks down that left wing, like he is putting meters between him and his opponent in the 90, the 94th minute. He's, yeah, he's been criminally underrated. He's a vital part of, of what Newcastle has been about this year. 
he did it just to point another example out earlier on this season against Manchester Walker. City. Obviously, Kyle mm. Walker's no slouch. Mm. Uh, his positional sense is probably up for debate, but he's he's very very <laughs> quick. And Joe absolutely burnt him on yeah. two or three occasions. There's one that went not viral, but it, it got put out in the Twitter sphere, and it, he just blew past him with the ball. With the ball, which like, is the hardest thing to do to run a yeah. race with the ball. <laughs> Because with all due respect to Joe, and I'll come back to you because you're totally right, Keeks, like underrated, absolutely sums Joe. And I think throughout his career as well. But I think not many of us as fans, as broadcasters, whoever, realised actually just how pacey he is. We all mm. put him down to having a lot of stamina. He's got a lot of legs on him, does Joe. Like never stops. Really, really impressive part of his game. But I don't think anyone realised just how quick the man is until mm. you've seen him against Leicester against Manchester and ever since then I've kind of watched him and seen that little movie does where he basically shuffles it down the line about 20 yards in front of him and takes and on a defender one-on-one yeah. against the right back and he beats most of them or they have to foul him and it's yeah. happened quite recently but just mm. to go back to that he has had this all his career I think he's had people underestimate him underrate him and he's certainly had it, like you rightly pointed out before, since he went on that 7-8 goal streak as well. Yeah. And it yeah. just took him time to kind of find his feet once again, to settle up here in the northeast. because I think he was the first to say he was a bit homesick at the start because, you know, he'd lived in London all of his life. To move up to Newcastle is a pretty big change. He's now happier up here. He's got the family up here now. He's got a dog, uh, which he absolutely dotes on. And as a result, you are seeing that combined with Eddie's tactical influence and just ability to bring the very, very best out of a person and as a player. You're seeing those two things combined and suddenly Joe Willock is turning into a, an undroppable member of Newcastle's yeah. first team. I just feel sorry for Maxi. <laughs> Maxi yeah. can't get in because you've got yeah, a midfielder well. playing left wing. Can't drop him. No. Nah. Yeah. Undroppable now. And I think... You've um, got two. Will, Willock was a bit like Bambi on ice. Um growing into his body, you know, like I think he was yeah. all, all legs, as you said, and it's just starting to hit for him now. And obviously coaching with Eddie and what he's doing, um, it's all starting to just pay off now. And his form's incredible. So he was another one on the night that was just relentless in his pressure and running and, you know, absolutely amazing. You know what? This started off a debate with me and a friend of mine the other night. I just kind of thought, I remembered it there when I said undroppable. Go through Newcastle's starting eleven against Leicester. Who would you drop out of that team? Anyone. Who would you pull out of that team at the moment? No, that's, I mean, our, best, that's our best 11, I reckon. Longstaff. <laughs> if if we could find someone to replace Longstaff's work ethic, I just yeah. think, you know, I mean, bloody hell, he works so hard as well. You know, you've that's got to give credit to his defensive structures and patterns and everything like that. But he just, you know, the Leeds game and then that one, unfortunately, just his finishing was off key. So I think he'd yeah. be the only one in, in question. Mm. Um, the rest, nah, I don't, Maybe. don't want to drop them. Yeah. I I'll give they're you all playing so well. They're all playing yeah. so, so well at the moment. They're, you know, pretty much near the tops of their games. Each, well, actually, no, that's really unfair. Some of them have probably got even more improving to do. Um, but it's frightening. And that's what you get when <laughs> when you get a team that, that are all on form at the same time. I mean, you can see what's happening as a result. Apart from that, apart from that one in the first minute that he sort of shinned, mm. I wonder I wonder if half his shots he's absolutely fingered by the time he actually gets the ball to shoot. He's got nothing left to actually yeah. get like he's just worked that hard. That he that end product, he's just got nothing left in the tank to actually muster up a decent a decent effort. So yeah, I, I, think, I wonder if that is. I think he's also a victim of his own work rate in that sense, in the sense that it yeah yes yeah. to those positions. And I know that anyone who's played up front before will know if a striker's gone a long, long time without a goal, but they're getting chances, it will come because they're getting themselves into the position. And I think Longy does that. Longy picks up some great, great positions. Some great positions. And he's continued. I said it on when we uh, played Leeds. And obviously, I said, I said a Bruno post-match. Like, do you feel like the chances fell to the wrong players? 
i.e. if it fell to Callum or if it fell to Miggy, then it might have been talking two or three nil. And in fairness to Bruno, he said, no, no, like Lummy's a really great player, like Joel Linton is as well. But, you know, it's just one of those things, the ball wouldn't go in. But, you know, Long, his finishing is probably not his highest quality. Like his work ethic is, his stamina, you know, his positional sense most certainly. His tackling's got a lot better as well. But the fact that he's so high on stamina and his positional sense is so good and he finds these positions, puts himself in the spotlight to miss yeah. those chances, really. Mm. I would never, yeah. ever begrudge him for missing these chances because at least he's in those positions. And he will take one. Well, that's, that's what... That's what Shearer had said um, before. I'd heard him in an interview or something. Someone said, oh, would you be worried about not scoring? He said, no, no, I'm never worried about not scoring. I'm worried about if I'm not getting chances. If I'm missing them, I don't care because I know that eventually I'm going to start scoring them. So hopefully... Hey, if a great man says it, if a great man says it... If it's good enough for him, it's good enough for me. That's it. <laughs> it's in the Bible. <laughs> I think, you know, the other thing with Longstaff, you know, um, we're having this argument between us is you take him out of the team and you put, for instance, Tillemans, who's, you know, at Leicester. And every time I've seen him against us, he hasn't really been been fantastic. And his, his work rate doesn't seem to be up to much. So we play system football under under Howe. And each cog has to, to do, you know, do their role and do it well. So I wonder taking Longy out and putting a bigger name in there would actually hurt our balance and and what that looks like going forward. I think that's a a really, really good point. And the other point to make is having played Leicester twice now in the space of, what, two weeks, three weeks, Long has actually outplayed Yuri Tillemans twice. Yeah. And And, and we're we're really good. Yeah, of course, it's easy in a better team at the minute. Leicester aren't particularly in great form. But he's completely head-to-head gone up against him and, and been far better than him. So what do you do? Do you go and splash serious money on a player like that? Or do you wait and maybe try and select uh, a player who might be better suited towards Newcastle? Now, I, I think it's a bit unfair to maybe judge Telemans off two games alone. Telemans is an absolutely fine player, really, really good player. And if we ended up with him, that's a heck of a sign in my book. Um, I, I'm not going to kind of you know go into depth about the names and, and anyone else that might come into centre midfield. But just on those two performances alone, I thought Longy showed what he actually gives this Newcastle United side and has done for a lot of time this season. And it's not just down to personally liking him as a, as a bloke, which I do. I, th- I think he's a tremendous lad. But I genuinely think he has a lot of value in this team. And I feel sometimes, just sometimes, the criticism goes a little bit too far with him. Um, and at the very, yeah. very least, in the next three or four years, he'll be in the squad for Newcastle. Eddie loves him, doesn't he? Oh, he does. He, he also yeah. loves what he brings off the pitch too. Yeah. You know, I, Dan was saying this the other week, two loudest people, Nick Pope, Sean Longstaff. You can hear Nick Pope's laugh from, I don't know, like time now. <laughs> um, and you can hear Longy normally, you know, uh, taking the piss or, or making a joke or something. And every dressing room, every successful dressing room at least, needs someone like that needs someone who literally will go up to Bruno and have a chat with him within the first five minutes of him arriving at Newcastle, will be best mates with Nick Pope within two weeks and be eating banana cake on a training camp. You know, <laughs> like they need that Sean Longstaff person who's always chirping, always talking, always just that kind of heart. The energy. Yeah. And I, I just yeah. I feel he brings more than just on the pitch does Longy. I think yeah, the one- it's interesting. The one moment I remember with Longstaff that probably ties into that character is, do you remember the interview with Joel Linton with Sky and they sort of were questioning him yeah. and his um, abilities, I suppose, and Longstaff just went into bat for him yeah. on a, a yeah, national audience. And I that thought good. that was, yeah, I, I thought that was a, an incredible and, you know, showed um, the type of bloke he was. Yeah, it's a sign of a lot. Absolute sign of a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's so a I'll- really, really good I like to think of, if you look at it as a, a holistic point of view, um, so if Newcastle are a band and every player has to bring an instrument and if they don't bring their instrument, they won't function properly as a band. Like for all the, the shit he gets, Sean does, yeah. his instruments are the key instrument in the band. And I, I think sometimes 
you need to look at it. He's got his flaws, and, and so does everyone. Like, Miggy doesn't have a right foot. Like, it, everyone's got their flaws, but sometimes people talk about their flaws too much and not actually focus on the good things that they do. And I think I think Sean's a, he's probably the biggest victim of that. Um, Absolutely. All right, I've got a, a question for you, Andy, and it's a two-word answer. Winning the League yeah, Cup or what? Champions League? Winning the League Cup or Champions League? Which League, which League we're, we're, it, this is a hot yeah this is a hot bed in our podcast League group. Cup. League um, Cup, yeah. League right, Cup, so you're League a sensible one. Very time. interesting. Yeah, trophy every time. Well said. Um, don't care. Champions League. I just want to pay before we move on for the game. Um, I just want to pay homage for the first time since the song originated. We actually had Bruno in the middle, Botman at the back, and for the last twelve minutes we had Isaac in attack. So, just a quick a quick note. I wrote that down. So that's that was great to finally be a. Don't think the t-shirts got a notice. I appreciate it, mate. Yeah, Bruno no, straight away. Yeah, yeah, I thought you'd like it. Yeah, hang on, I'll just pull it down a little bit. There you go. Spot on. Absolutely yes. brilliant. Um, now, while while we've got you here, mate, um, conscious of your time and. Conscious of our time, right, given it's, it's coming up, coming up to ten o'clock at night. Um, transfer windows open. Things seem to be pretty quiet. Um, we did get a bit of a report from the the Evening Standard. Um, I'm not sure how reputable the Evening Standard is when it comes to transfers, but a, a, the 18 year old uh, a wonder kid. He's been dubbed from Dortmund. Um, Mukoko. Yeah. It, have you? Heard anything about that? Do you know anything about that? Um, I've heard that, where there's, does that sort of, that there's definitely yeah. because of his situation at Dortmund. His contract um, situation's up at the end of the season as well. So yeah, they're not they're not yeah. I mean, look, if if that lad's available, which I think he will be, there's going to be some serious clubs in fan. I think Barcelona yeah. are also <laughs> interested. Um, and but then again, there were serious clubs in for Botman. And yes. you know Newcastle sold the project. There's definite interest in there, but there's interest because of this model. And I'm going to come to the name that I'm pretty sure all of your listeners will want to uh, will want me to come to in a second. But that's the model that Dan Ashworth wants to implement: young, hungry, lots of talent. Makoko, without a shadow of a doubt, fits that in the same mold as Garen Quall. Very, very much so in the same mold. Um, on on Dan Ashworth. Bobby, we were we were fortunate enough to see him pre-game in the land of the Giants. Um, standing, could have given him a little a phone book or something to stand on to next to Emil Heskey. But um, we're ones to talk, Keats. Yeah, <laughs> him in, him next, in the team photo, like he'd be the new Ryan Fraser if he finds a new yeah. club in January. Um, Bobby, what did you make of his comments uh, pre-game? Oh, the professionalism of the bloke and. You know, you know you're in good hands, or the club's in good hands anyway. With with this guy, you know, steering the the wheel and the ship, or whatever you want to say. So, yeah, he was just um, he was open, he was honest, and you just think that I right, I don't have to worry about what's going on with the transfer window um, as a fan, which is different from the last fourteen years where you know you there was panic and there was dread and there was you know sickness, um, everything. With it, you just think we trust the club. We know we're in the right. We're going in the right direction, and this bloke is pretty much the best of the best. I think he is. He is one of the great um, football minds in the country, and I think we're very lucky to have him. And you know, add to Darren Eels and uh, Eddie Howe and all that. I think we've got a great group of guys to to take us to where we want to go to. And as I said on Twitter, you know, this League Cup semi final, you know, people want to you know, dismiss Southampton and and all that sort of thing. It's fine because enjoy this excitement because this is the start of our journey and it's the start of our journey because of the guys like Dan Ashworth and yeah. and everything he said on Sky to um, Emil Heskey's crotch was um, absolutely <laughs> perfect. Oh, it was a moment for Sky, that wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, absolutely. I'm not – I won't I won't ask you, Andy, for – um for names and links because there's probably yeah. 150 names on their list and you probably don't know 138 of them. So no. just in your opinion, what if what we're sort of led to believe and, and what's been said, 
there might only be maybe two or three signings this window. It's not going to be a massive window in terms of incomings and things like that. What's what positions would you target to try and get players in rather than players themselves? Because yeah, it seems to be the way now, which is a great thing. I might add that not much gets leaked out of that club anymore in terms of targets and even injuries and things like that. And I think that's a fantastic thing, but just in your opinion, what, um, what positions do you think the club should be looking to sort of improve on? I think the two positions that they are looking to improve on, you're right, there's not going to be five or six signings in January. It'll be two, I would have said. Maybe three at a push, but two. They're going to be looking at a midfielder. They're going to be looking at a midfielder hard. Um, probably a defensive mid. Someone who can sit behind Bruno. Um, because the injury to John Joe was really, really unfortunate. Really, really unfortunate because John Joe was looking good. Looking really good, look fit of that. Yeah, I feel sorry for it. The best, yeah, the best he's ever looked, and he hasn't kicked the ball yeah. barely the whole season. And then he picks up an injury like that. So I think they've been not necessarily forced because I think they were going to be looking anyway, a midfielder. But now that that concern has become even more pressing. Uh, so, so that, I think if there's, sorry, is it, is it, do you think like a um, like someone who's going to be a first team or pushing yeah. for the first team or or a sort of youth? development player i think someone who they can bring in along the lines of a botman yeah. someone who they can bring in and you know they're not going to be spending 80 90 million on them they're going to be spending maybe 25 30 million on them instead and they're going and to then, be 21 22 young yeah. you know hungry lots of athleticism about them uh excellent positional sense because you don't get into an eddie howe team without having a you know a, a strong grasp on positional sense uh but certainly a defensive midfielder because I think he wants to play Bruno further up as a number eight anyway. Um, but that's just a personal uh, personal opinion, the way I've kind of seen Newcastle set up this season. Bruno further back nullifies the threat that he can bring further up. I see Bruno as that kind of tempo setter in midfield. He needs someone behind him to shield, plus needs someone behind him to fit in when Trips starts bombing forward. <laughs> And, and Dan Burns starts bombing forward as well. Now add Dan to that list. Um, so yeah. yeah, definitely defensive mid. The other position is a right back. Um, not starting right back because Trips is the finest right back in the Premier yeah. League, I think. Um, but someone who is going to be 18-19 Fresneda uh, from Spain is the one that I think that they are looking at very, very strongly. I can't see January ending without a, bit, a deal possibly being done for him. Or at least... Yes. them doing their very, very best to get a deal struck for him. Because everyone I've spoken to inside Spain, not inside Spain, but who knows Spanish football a hell of a lot better than <laughs> I do, which is particularly hard, um, say he's a bloody good player. He's very raw, but that's the sort of player you want because in three or four years' time, he's going to be the man to come in and replace Trips. Yeah. And yeah. good luck to anyone who's trying to do that to fill that man's boots because, honest to God, we, oh, we wax lyrical bad. about a lot of players, but he was the first to come in yeah, um, the trailblazer. That's what I called him. Brilliant. Um, yeah. Because um, I think, yeah, purely like I think the the FA Cup game showed our squad depth as a whole isn't yeah as good as the other teams around us and stuff like that. But I still think it, it, them players coming in in isolation, like if if uh, Trippier gets a yellow card and he's suspended for the next game. I think one in for one, you can probably cover them. But when they make them wholesale changes, it's really hard for them players to sort of get up to speed. So if we can fatten up that squad in for the rest of the year by – because I think we've probably got maybe 13, Mm. 14 maybe decent first 11 players. I mean, if we can add another two in that sort of mould and get it out to 15, that might be enough to cover us off until for the rest of the season, until the summer comes. And if if Dan Ashworth's Sky interview is anything to go by, I think we're going to launch pretty hard – in I the summer as well. That kind of backs up what Eddie was saying to us the other week as well, because, I mean, he's pointed out, and I've pointed out in this podcast, the starting 11 is pretty strong. It's pretty mm. strong indeed now. And his challenge was, look at that starting 11. Where would you improve? And improve in January as well. And it's very, mm. very difficult to do that. Maybe yeah. a defensive midfielder, like I say, but elsewhere, I don't think you're going to improve that, that squad, uh, or that starting 11 too heavily. From a squad perspective, he's more than aware that, you know, to compete on numerous fronts and bearing in mind that we don't have Europe to contend with this season, next season, fingers crossed, uh, well, whether that is Champions League or Europa League or Conference League or whatever it might be, 
you know, there are going to be what? Four different fronts for Newcastle to compete on. The squad is yeah. too thin at the moment to deal with four different fronts. Arsenal found this out a couple of seasons ago. Um, Tottenham have found it. West Ham have found this out. And I don't think, you know, like you rightly say about Dan Ashworth and Darren Eels, these are very, very, very intelligent people who have seen it, done it, got the T-shirt, who witnessed Tottenham and West Ham and Arsenal in Europe and thought, when we get there, we aren't going to run into those problems. We're going to learn from those problems. So I think the summer, while they will add probably maybe two glitzy signings, I think if you want to put them, marquee signings maybe, you know, to put in there, a wing has been mooted quite heavily, you know, probably strengthening uh, either, I hate to say, left back after the <laughs> after <laughs> down performance, but, you know, left back will be up there. Midfield is obviously up for strengthening as well. They're the kind of three positions I think they'll look at. But I think otherwise they'll bring in maybe three or four others and there'll be a bit more of an overhaul of the squad. You'll see five or six leave. You'll see three or four come in who you can drop into an FA Cup tie against Sheffield Wednesday and think they'll get us through that. But then again, look, it can happen to anyone. It can happen to anyone that with Sheffield, the Sheffield Wednesday thing. Look what happened to Manchester City last night. Mm-hmm. They make a few changes. Southampton catch them on yeah. the hop. Suddenly they kicked out the League Cup. So... Yeah. You know, it, it's it, it's kind of how you interpret it. It depends on your perspective. But yeah, I think the summer is about the squad as well as adding maybe one or two. And if they can get to the end of January and say, we've added a defensive midfielder and we've added a you know future right back, I think that's a very, very good January transfer yeah. window for Newcastle where we stand. Anyone you yes, think will sure. leave right. as, Dex, as Dex side? I think that the names are already out there that, you know, I can't see being at Newcastle too much longer. The likes of Matt Ritchie, Ryan Fraser, certainly. Uh, will be in there. Um, I know everyone's talking about Maxi at the minute, but Maxi's a, an integral part of that team from everything that Eddie said. So, you know, that will continue. Um, but yeah, the likes of Matt Ritchie, the likes of uh, Ryan Fraser, like I say, probably a few others as well. Y- you're probably looking at them. And just while we're on that about the players that leave, maybe Ryan aside, because he hasn't been there that long, but the likes of Matt Ritchie, for instance, if Jamal was to leave, for instance, I'm not saying he will, but what a job they've done for Newcastle United. I think it's been Mm. said, certainly Mm. by George Culkin and and Chris Woff in The Athletic, they always say things things brilliantly in The Athletic, but they've pointed it out before, and I'll point it out again. They have been absolutely tremendous servants to Newcastle United before the days of money, before the days of the Saudi Arabian Public Investment Fund, you know, Eddie Howe, all of that. We were skirting around relegation in the championship to come back up to the Premier League. And the contribution of those players certainly can't be forgotten, regardless of where they end up yeah. when they still. Absolutely, and I agree with that. A, good, a, a mark of that is wh- wherever they go, whether it's at the end of January or the end of the season, whatever, they'll always be welcome back. Yeah, with open arms, and I think that's a that's a true mark of a player at a club. If if they're welcome back, shows how how they re- they've been respected. By not just the club, but the fans and things like that as well. So you know yeah, what as well, agree. they were part of the project at the start, and no one's yeah. going to be able to take that away from them. And I would absolutely no. love it if we were to go and win the league cup. And for someone like I'm going to take Jamal, for instance, who I've talked about long and hard since the takeover went or uh, went through. About have you dreamed about winning a cup? Of course he has. You know, of course he has. He's the club captain. And I would love it to to copy Kevin Keegan. Absolutely love it if Jamal LaSalle would <laughs> go and leave with a medal, with a winning medal yeah. from Newcastle United, because I feel like that would be the perfect, perfect way to sum up their contribution to the club. Yeah, yeah, well said. Yeah. I agree. 100%. All right, we've got a couple of uh, viewer questions that's been sent in through our socials during the week as well, Andy. So... Right. We'll, okay. We'll kick off with the we'll, we'll kick off with the hard hitting ones, and we'll get a bit sort of easier after that. All right. So the first, I'm terrified the about first, this. <laughs> yeah. So I would be too. I don't know how you're going to answer it. McDonald's, KFC, or Burger King? Oh, McDonald's every single day of the week. McDonald's. All right. Nick, actually, no, Nick Pope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Can't believe it didn't come up with that straight away. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, this one's from uh, Dex as well. When you uh, sit in at a press conference, how do you feel when your peers ask stupid questions or challenge Eddie on <laughs> geopolitics? Or is there a 
So is there an unwritten code of conduct in there? Right, I'm going to retort to that. Has Dex ever seen Neddy have press conference? Because it's usually me asking the stupid question. <laughs> it's usually me asking him, is that, you know, how would you feel about cameras around you at the training ground? How would, you know, what his favourite karaoke song or whatever the hell is? I'm usually that idiot in the press conference surrounded by much more intelligent people than I am who ends up asking that stupid question. So, Dex, no, there's no code of conduct because I'm still allowed back. So, <laughs> I feel like I'm getting away with it. Uh, but no, uh, I, uh, you I've know what? I'll, ask, I'll answer it properly. I'll a question it properly. from Lee. Oh, go on. Go on. It's fine. I was going to say. No, no, finish it already. No, no, finish, finish yours. Finish yours. I was going to say that, yes, there has been moments, not with the local. It's normally when someone else is at. The only, only time ever that I've kind of started a little bit in a press conference was Eddie's first press conference. And an organisation brought up a journalist from down south. And you know what? Obviously, the question is going to be about the ownership. Totally understand that. There is a question that needs to be asked. I can't ask it because I work for Premier League, but those questions need to be asked 110%. But when you're asking five in a row and they're the same question, and Eddie is literally replying in the, the exact same, same way. <laughs> Either change up your style of question or, you know, kind of move on. That's the only other time I've looked around and gone, ah, you know, I feel like that's a little bit too much. Fine on the content, it was just a little bit. But otherwise, no, I don't think there's too many too many stupid questions that don't originate from someone called, uh, otherwise from someone called Andy Sixsmith, really. All right, I've got a I've got an Andy question for you then, Andy. Lee, who's a big fan of the show, wants to know if you could pick one current player to have a point with, who would you pick? Oh, shit. I, I mean, I, I've got to say Bruno, haven't I? <laughs> um, I don't know. It depends on what sort of pint. Is this the sort of pint where you're like, it's just one pint, we're going out for just one pint after work? Is it a pint where you're like, this could get a bit messy later on tonight? Are we, when we're going to that's up it. to oh, you. I think that's up to oh, you, mate. I'll go for both. Yeah. If it's a point where you think I'm going to end up in a karaoke bar, then it has to be the man of the week, and that is Dan Byrne. 100%. Yeah. I'm going to the karaoke <laughs> bar after that with Dan Byrne, and he's doing the dance on stage in Cozy Joe's. Yeah. If I just want a pint with one, does it have to be a player? Because I would say Eddie, to be fair. Uh, no, it's a player. Uh, fuck it, Bruno. It's got to be, it's always Bruno in <laughs> Honourable shout-outs to, to, um, to, uh, to uh, Nick Pope would be great crack. Miggy would just smile. Longy would be great crack. Yeah, I mean, there's so many of them, but, yeah, I've got to go. Got to go the OG. Bruno, haven't I? All right. Yeah. We'll try and keep these ones short and sweet. Uh, we've got uh, Luke right, as well. Maxi, in or out of the squad? In. In. All right. Do I have to give a reason? Mel. <laughs> it's no, Maxi. no, just in's fine. In, Will we yeah. win the League Cup? Yes. Yes. Going to oh. beat Manchester United three-one the final. Oh. If we've got uh, right uh, NUFC fan, yes. <laughs> if we fail to qualify for the Champions League, would that be classed as a failure based on where we are now? No. Think of where we were. Think of where we were twelve months ago. No, yes. absolutely, hundred percent, no. On your Man United uh, thing there, would you have preferred them over two legs or just getting you in the final? They were listening to a conversation I was having with one yes. of my mates last night. Yes. Yeah, it's spies <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> is it semi-final? Uh, in the semi-final, is it home? And I oh. would have absolutely loved... Although, it would be just like us. And this is going through years and years of supporting the club rather than the last you know, year and a half. But it would have been just like us to have beaten Man U in the semi-final and, with all due respect, lost to Nottingham Forest in the final. Yeah, so, yeah 100%. You know yeah. what? I'm torn, but I would have loved to have had Man U in a semi-final second leg at St. James's Park. Oh, just oh, for the occasion. Absolutely rocking. Yeah. I just can't wait I for I think it's going to be that, rocking that, anyway. Oh, it is. Right. Yeah. Southampton will be tough. Southampton are going to be very, very tough. They're, they're yes. a better side, I think, than people give them credit for. But I think we'll be too strong for them with the second leg at all. Uh, we've got one last one from Lisa, also a big fan of the show. What's your favourite ever Toon shirt? Easy. 95, 96, Newcastle Brown Ale, black and white, although solid mention for the away shirt. Also, 
big big mention for the northern rock ship as well but yeah, definitely agree. definitely the 95 96 one yeah i agree it's boring Bob, answer, got anything else yeah, no, no, that's your answer. It's not boring. I should have gone, gone for the green and white away strip this year and really caused a scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bobby, you've been on you've been on comments duty tonight. Um, anything else in the comments that uh, for Andy I've got five or... or ten minutes, boys. If you want to keep throwing them, absolutely fine. If you've got questions or ever, I've got ten minutes until I need to go to the training ground. So anytime. Oh, oh, what are you doing at the training ground today? It's all right. <laughs> What, what, what was that, Bobby? What are you, what are you doing at the training ground today? Uh, weekly player interview today. It's not yeah. with Dan. Not with Dan? Oh, what a shame. No. Imagine that. No, it's with Fabi Share this week. No. Yeah. Still oh, good. nice. A good crap. Uh, Fabi had a front row seat to Dan's dance on Tuesday night. It was literally that far away from him, wasn't he? Um, so <laughs> I will be asking him probably for about eight and a half of our 10-minute allocation about Dan's dancing. <laughs> I think I think even with Fabian Shaw, you'll get lost in his eyes though. He's one good looking rooster, isn't he? Yeah, he's a dream bug. Yeah, he's dream uh, I mean we've got a quite a good looking, you know, squad right now. You know, Loris Carriers, <laughs> whether he stays or not. But then you've got like Sven Botton's a good looking man. Like mm. Fabian Shaw, it's a good looking back four in fairness. I mean, Dan would hate it if I didn't say he wasn't a good looking lad. Uh, Bruno's <laughs> decent looker, Carl. I mean, Christ, best looking eleven in the Premier League. Absolutely. What we need, what we need actually, is for this is me going completely off on a tangent now. Did you ever see that yeah. feature with Manchester City? And I can't remember his name, and that's going to annoy me. But the posh lad who basically waited at the reception and called Erling Haaland a Nordic meat shield, uh, and Calvin. Phillips. Oh yeah, when they were walking through on there, was it a yeah. preseason tour or something? That were on. Yeah, yeah, I did say that. Yeah. We need to get him up here to do that. <laughs> To Newcastle's yeah. players, <laughs> yeah. that would be sensational to see what he comes up with there. I can't remember his name now, but I he had some brilliant, brilliant comments. He confused Jack Grealish, I think. I don't think he knew what was going. Imagine <laughs> he he's, he he gives something to the Mad Dog on the way through, and Mad Dog just gives him an absolute spray on the way past. Yeah, we we you're, do have a you're... question here. We do have a question here. Um, how high does Eddie rate Lewis Miley? I, I was actually really interested in this kid. Um, yeah. um, he's sort of broken into the scene now, and it, whilst he won't probably get many minutes, he's uh, definitely in contention. What do you know of him and and like? So I, I don't know how high Eddie rates him because I haven't asked him yet, but the mere fact that he's been promoted through the squads in the way that he has means Eddie rates him bloody highly. I'll put that there straight away. From what I've heard about him from other people, I've only seen him play a couple of times. He he is very, very good. He's very, a tall midfielder, good. isn't he? Yeah. Very tall. Yeah. Yeah. He's about six three, six four, I think. Something yeah. like that. Um he, he's so I wasn't rubbing that in, Bobby, with a five foot three <laughs> comment earlier. I'm not really five foot three. That's Keegan. So. <laughs> no, five five. Five five. Five three with their shoes on. <laughs> without the platforms on yeah he's a he's a hell of a hell of a prospect and if he has been promoted through the squads like he has Eddie rates him very very highly indeed and probably last one will Elliot Anderson go out on loan no don't think so no. I don't think so it would have to be a really attractive prospect I don't think you know what actually I'm going to revise that now we've gone out of the FA Cup possibly but I think the yeah. argument is to keep him especially with Garan going out, obviously, to Hearts. I think they want to keep Elliot because he'll still get minutes in the Premier League every now and again, uh, and he can still make a difference. So I think they will keep him. But you can come back to me on the 1st of February when he goes to Ipswich or somewhere like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we will, don't worry. We will. Andy All Six right. miss in the no. Fucking hell, he's done it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Anderson's I'll definitely saying, is it Borough? Right, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's saying in the country. That's That's what he meant. Um, yeah. All right. Well, yeah. We'll um we'll wrap it up, Andy. Um, it's been an absolute blast having you on again, mate. Really appreciate your time. Um, Thanks, mate. Once again, everyone who uh, has a spare pound or five or ten, fifteen, twenty, whatever you have, uh, please log on Andy's socials. Um, is it just giving? I think it is the fact fifteen. Uh, he's going to be doing some crazy shit this year, so get around him. Um, 
<laughs> crazy, crazy shit. Um, yeah, so yeah, if you ending up in a karaoke bar, but you yeah. never know. This all <laughs> I think, I think one of the one of the fifteen challenges to be running home from the karaoke bar after drinking <laughs> all night with them. <laughs> um, so yeah, jump on his uh, jump on his socials for links. Uh, we'll post it in our show notes as well. Um, Bobby, thank you, mate, for your time. Uh, I know it's Cheers, getting mate. a bit late for us now. So yeah, and yeah, Andy, once again. Stoked to have you on. Um, My pleasure, folks. Anytime. I said it last time. Hopefully, anytime yeah. You need us on. We can, on uh, we'll touch base after the transfer window and see where we've landed, see which club Elliot Anderson's at now. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so <laughs> good luck today with uh, Fabi. Thanks again for everyone watching, uh, sending their likes, comments, uh, questions. It's been fantastic. Um, and all our listeners as well, if you get a chance, please give us a uh, five-star review. And that just about wraps it up. Uh, it's been a great week. Hopefully they can continue on the weekend against Fulham and Eddie's Mighty Mags can stay in third place. So thanks, everyone, and we'll catch you all later on. See ya. See yeah, guys.